Thrive Friends, this is your host, Dr. Solomon. Today, I'm joined by a tech and social media guru, Joy Foster. Joy is the author of Social Media Success. Her organization, Tech Fixies, received the Woman in Business Startup and the Enterprise Nation Female Startup of the Year in the UK 2017 and 2018. Congrats, Joy, on your new book, Social Media Success, and welcome on Thrive. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here with me. Joy, since 2015, Tech Pixies did incredible work to help women gain confidence, join the workforce after they take time off, and start online business. Could you share with your American audience your journey with Tech Pixies over the past five years? Yeah, so I am American, although I operate my business in the UK because I'm married to a Brit. Uh, and we've been over here for about six and a half years, but um, originally I'm from the US. Um, and, you know, I have two children, so uh, I've taken a career break to raise my children. I also was on the US Archer team and I took a career break to train for the Olympics back in 2004. So I know what it's like to take a career break. Um, I've also changed careers several times. I've sold real estate, I've sold insurance, I've, uh, you know, sold websites, I've sold social media packages. So I, I've done all sorts of different careers as well. Um, I've been an English language teacher um, and also I've launched three businesses. So I have a vast amount of experience in that kind of returning to work, changing careers or um, starting a business realm. And, uh, and I noticed that other women were having a, a problem coming back to work after a career break. And uh, so we decided to set up a program uh, called Social Media Magic to help women get confidence with social media. We also have a lot of mindset coaching and life coaching that's involved in that. And we started seeing really great results from day one. And so uh, we now have had uh, over 3000 women in our free training programs. And we have had over 500 women go through our uh, 90 day transformational program. And it's just a lot of fun to see women's lives change. Uh, it's really been fun the last uh, few months where we've started to help women become financially independent because uh, prior, um, prior to, uh, to now, we've really focused on the social media skills, but now we're really starting to focus on the mindset piece and helping women change the way they see uh, themselves as a financial contributor in the home. And so uh, what we're starting to see as well is that women can embrace financial independence in a way that they've never really been able to do before. And that's very exciting. Thank you for sharing this. And before we move on, I'd like to ask our audience to open a new tab and look up Tech Pixies. Click on weekly tips where Joy shares her insight about each social media platform. She has almost 60 podcasts and summary notes. You will never get bored. And you can also download her book, Social Media Success, directly from her website for almost seven and a half dollars. And why not follow Joy on her social media accounts at Tech Pixies, one word on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah, LinkedIn and Pinterest as well. <laughs> oh, see, oh, the same tech pixies, one word. Oh. So, Joey, speaking of your new book, what would be your top three pieces of advice that you would like to share with startup owners as to how they can optimize their use of social media to compete and thrive in this tough economic time that we are currently living? That's a great question. I think it's very interesting because people sign up to our free training, for example, or buy the book and they want the answer, you know, they want the secret sauce to the social media. And actually uh, the reality is it's 
social media is great, but if your mindset's not in the right place and if you aren't thinking about how you're going to leverage it properly and you don't believe that you can leverage it properly, it doesn't really matter. So we always say it starts with mindset. Um, one of the very first techniques that we teach, uh, which is actually not our technique, it's a Dr. Carol Dwick's technique, uh, which is the power of yet. And just starting to change the way that you see a problem. Um, and instead of saying, you know, I don't know how to use social media, you say, I don't know how to use social media yet. Uh, and that opens up your brain to say, oh, I can learn this, even though I don't know it. Because when you say, I don't know social media, or I'm rubbish at social media, what it does is it puts a full stop on it. And it basically says, um, sorry, that's British speak. It puts a period on it <laughs> and says, I can't do this. Um, whereas when you move to a growth mindset, which is um, opening up your mind to the fact that, oh, I can go learn something. I just don't know how to do it yet. Uh, that's where we start to see people get curious. And once they're curious, they start to learn. But if you go into learning social media with the mindset that you're rubbish at it, you're never really going to get very good at it. So you have to change your mindset first and foremost. The second thing, and this is very tied into mindset, is um, you have to be ready to go on camera. And it's a very challenging thing for a lot of people right now because um, uh, they've suddenly been thrust onto camera because of the pandemic. And uh, what I would say is that's a blessing because um, this is the only way we can connect with people right now. You can't go meet people. We're in England. We're just about to go into a second lockdown. So you can't actually go physically meet people. And you also can't go meet new people easily unless you get yourself on camera. So what we say is um, start using the live function on your social media accounts. Just start getting familiar with how they work and just do test runs. Just go on and, you know, for a few minutes, say hi to everybody and just get used to how it works. But really getting on camera or, get, or launching a podcast, um, those are really, really important things to do. Um, and, and I think it's great that you've launched a podcast. I think it's important to do that because people, people buy from people who they know, like, and trust. And one of the easiest ways to do that is through a podcast or through videos. And I didn't learn that, you know, I, that's not my theory. That's not my thing. That's something that I learned from my mentors who are online as well, who are teaching me how to do things as well. But I can tell you that's one thing that changed as soon as I realized I've got to get on camera, I've got to get my voice out there. Um, as soon as I realized that, then I started doing it. And rain or shine, every single week, I show up live on my Facebook feed and I talk to my potential customers and my existing customers. And we do coaching all the time in our Facebook groups and things like that. So I think getting familiar with being on camera is very, very important. And I think the third thing is consistency. Um, if you are, like I said, every week, rain or shine, I'm live, you know, the consistency matters. And, uh, and if you are consistent, then um, that you'll that pays dividends on social media, because you get rewarded uh, for showing up. I, my daughter's really into um, online games at the moment. And she always says to me, Oh, I need to, I need to log in just to get my, you know, daily streak. And she doesn't even need to be on there for that long. She just wants her daily streak. And it's the same way with social media. You got to get your daily streak. You know, that that kind of just get in every day for a little bit, engage, post. Um, and you can save yourself some time with pre-scheduling, but that's a little bit more advanced. But just make sure you're posting on a regular basis. And I think Neil Patel, who is someone I followed for a long time, years ago, he said, when I was learning social media, he said, um, whatever you do, post as consistently as you can for the rest of your life. 
And his point by that was, you know, it's worse to do seven posts right away in one week and then do nothing for seven weeks than it is to post once a week for seven weeks. You're better off doing once a week for seven weeks than seven posts in one week and then nothing for seven weeks. So just understanding the the, con the concept of consistency is really important. Yeah, so if I put the three points in the same order you discussed with us, it would be mental frame, camera, and consistency. Yeah, exactly. Mindset, lives, consistency. And people watching us, if you are enjoying this conversation, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and share the link on your social media as well so that others could benefit. And why not follow my updates at Dr. Solomon MD, one word, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Joy, social distancing forced every leader like you to interact virtually with their team. In your opinion, how can teams use social media to achieve effective remote communication with their team if social media is the way that you could communicate effectively? Yeah, I mean, on our team, so our team is all remote at the moment. Uh, we were most, we were half remote anyway. We've got people from all over the country who work for us in the UK. Um, and one of the things that we've relied on heavily is WhatsApp. So WhatsApp is effectively a social network. It's um, owned by Facebook. And so we've used WhatsApp quite effectively. Uh, it's a bit faster than email in terms of getting an answer. Um, that said, we're moving to Slack uh, because people would like to not be pinged on their phone with all their personal messages from all their friends from work as well. So um, we are definitely moving on to Slack and we'll be using that as our team channel. Um, but I know there's lots of different things you can use out there. There's Facebook Workplace. I think they just launched a workplace as well. And so, you know, you just kind of have to, and then Microsoft has Teams. So you just have to find the thing that works for you. But I think for sure, um, things like Microsoft Teams and um, Facebook Workplace, and then also uh, Slack are going to be the way to move forwards with internal communication because email's just not cutting it for internal communication anymore. And you think emails are not cutting it because of the volume? or because of other reasons, in your opinion? Well, I think I know that in, in our situation, um, the responses are slower. So the reason that I prefer WhatsApp, let's say, or Slack is that I it's kind of more of an, a messaging platform. I think if you think back to when emails first came out, they kind of replaced letters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the first emails we used to send were really long emails, right? And over time, we still send long emails, but, um, but I think over time, we've, we've, we've switched to much more shorter responses. And so that's why email doesn't work for that kind of communication style. So, Joey, let's take a time machine together to 2025. We are now over the pandemic, hopefully, and we have a new landscape of social media. What do you think it will be like? Well, I think if anything, social media is more here to stay than it ever was because in many ways we were, we're very lucky we had social media in place when the pandemic hit uh, because without it, I don't know what we would have done in terms of communicating so quickly. Um, so I think on the one hand, uh, you know, if anyone thought it was evil and awful and we should get rid of it, um, hopefully they're second, they're thinking about that differently now. Uh, it's not perfect. You know, it's one, I mean, social media companies are some of the biggest companies in the world. So there's definitely some 
moral obligations that those companies have and some ethical obligations that they have. And, you know, we have shows like um, documentaries like the, the Social Network and things like that, where we can, or The Social Dilemma, that's the one that's just recently come out on Netflix. But you've got the movie, The Social Network, and you've got the, the documentary, The Social Dilemma. And we also know that the mental health um, problems in younger people has, um, has increased as a result of uh, their access to technology. Um, now, that's not just social media, that's gaming and uh, everything else. You know, the fact that bullying has moved online in a way that it wasn't before, and that's not all social media either. But I think, you know, you have a choice as to whether you look at things in always a negative light or in a positive light. I tend to prefer to look at them in a positive light. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, while Mark Zuckerberg's not perfect, he's probably not, you know, the devil either. So, you know, it's one of those things where you have to kind of say, um, you know, do I support a piece of technology that I think makes the world a better place for, in my view, thousands of women that I interact with on a regular basis? Yes, I do. And so what I hope in 2025 is that the social media companies will be even more responsible, even more ethical, um, that they will, uh, that they will, if they, if, you know, they will figure out a way to, uh, to continue to use their technology for good and, and hopefully we can continue to move things that way. I think what, you know, we just don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know how, we don't know what the results of the pandemic are going to be. We don't know if we're ever going to be able to be back in the same room with someone giving them a hug. You know, I mean, are our kids even going to remember what a hug is? You know, that's the kind of stuff I think we're going to have to deal with culturally, you know, not losing our culture. Um, because one of the things we've lost is the ability to go to the theater and we've lost the ability um, to listen to live music. And, you know, we've lost the ability to watch live sport. And, you know, those are the things that will need investment and, um time, you know, and effort to bring back because they're very important for our culture as a whole. I love that you mentioned the fact about the culture and the things that were there and now they are not. And will we ever have yeah. them back even in 2025 or this just the new norm? And piggybacking on this point, Joy, you are a wife and a mother. How do you manage your company remotely while your children we're at home during the first wave of the lockdown. And do you think it will be any different during the upcoming second lockdown in the UK in a few days? Well, I think, you know, interestingly enough, this is a question that a, women, that a lot of women used to get around like, how do you have a successful business and have a family? And it's like, the pandemic has is, is actually been a lot harder for a lot of women because um, at least when kids were in school, you, you could, you know, you could rely on the kids being in school. Um, it certainly was hard in our house um, in a way that uh, we were sort of fortunate was that um, part of my husband's work uh, actually was put on hold because of the coronavirus. So it meant that he was at home uh, with the kids more than I was able to be. So, I mean, I was home too, but I was I, my business actually ramped up during the virus because we all of a sudden had a whole bunch of women who needed to upskill with tech really fast and we were perfectly poised to do that. So I was working 90 hour weeks in, in, in some of the worst weeks in terms of my time. Um, and so my husband really took over and kind of was in charge of making sure everyone was okay. So I'm really lucky in that way. Um, and I don't think you will ever meet a successful woman or a successful man who hasn't had help at home, uh, either externally or internally. I think if my husband had had a business that had taken off 
like mine took off at the same time, we would have really struggled because we didn't have any outside help. My parents are in America, his parents are both gone. And so, you know, that would have added an element that would have been more tricky. Um, I think the second time around, we're at the moment, we're crossing our fingers that the kids stay in school because um, my husband's work is back on now. He's, um, he's back, you know, all the things that were paused are back up and running. So we're both working pretty much full time. And so it will be tricky if we, um, in the second lockdown, you know, can't do it. But you know what, we, you know, it's a season, right? You do what you need to do in the season. And our kids are very forgiving. Um, they, they get a lot of attention from us. So I think it makes it easier to say, you know, hey guys, today you're just gonna have to watch a few more episodes of this or that. But to be fair, I think we, we, we try to rotate activities. Um, we've got a family workout routine in the mornings before they, the day kicks off. So, you know, there's things that we're doing to keep ourselves active and going uh, and not always be glued to screens, including the adults. Yeah, and it seems like these activities involve all family members to ensure some sort of actual connection, in-person connection, with the family? Yeah, the biggest thing we've started to do is play instruments. So my, uh, my daughter plays the flute, my son plays the piano, my husband plays the guitar, and I started playing the ukulele. So, you know, that's been something that we've done. And then we have family movie night on Friday nights. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then we have, um, we have family dinners every night. And so, yeah, we do, we definitely do things that don't involve screens and, but it is hard. It's, it's hard. And I have to say this last weekend, which was over the Halloween weekend, whenever you're listening to this, but the last weekend I had that moment where I was just a little bit down. Cause I was like, Oh, we got to go back into this again. Like we were just starting to do things and now we got to go step back and, you know, just not being able to go to restaurants and not being able to go to shows and not being able to go to London. Like we haven't left. I mean, I've barely left the house since March. So it's hard. Yeah. And I haven't seen my parents in two years because I can't fly to America right now and they can't fly here. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Speaking of this, Joey, we all have and had in the past life setbacks where we picked ourselves up and thrived. Could you share one of yours and how did you overcome it? <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, okay, I think the biggest setback I had probably in my business career was um, I had started Tech Pixies and we had helped 100 women and we won a whole bunch of awards. And I, uh, I kind of knew we had something, but I was totally out of money. Like I couldn't keep the business going. I couldn't pay my employees. I couldn't pay myself. Um, I mean, I could play my employees, but I, I knew there was a limit to, to my ability to do that. And, and I kind of, uh, I was quite stressed about it. I got really ill. I ended up um, with a chest infection over nine days in my bed, couldn't get out of bed. Um, and I ended up having to lay off my entire team apart from one person. Um, and that was really hard, really, really hard. But every person I called um, and I said, you know, look, I'm really sorry I have to do this, but it's the only way the company will survive. They said, don't, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. This is the right thing for you to do. You know, I'll be fine. And they are all fine. They've all got different jobs. They're doing different things now, um, which is great for them. Um, but it was really hard for me at the time because I was, you know, I felt really responsible for having hired, hired them and then, then having to lay that, let them, let them go. Um, and I, you know, it was really hard for me. And so I think at that point I had to really dig deep and say, 
do I believe in this? Is this going to go? Am I going to move this forwards? And, um, and I, I, I went to a, an event and someone was there and just, you know, how these things happen serendipitously where you end up in the right room with the right person at the right time. And I just said to her, you know, I saw that little tiny ounce of interest in what I was doing left, you know, where I had to kind of, and I said, you know, I've got the, she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I help women return to work and we teach them social media. And she said, oh, that's amazing. Why don't you come and talk to my investors uh, and see if it's a good idea to raise investment for? And I was just, you know, I was like, okay, I'll come. And so, and I remember going and being just so exhausted because I, I had just done all the payments to my whole team, you know, for, I'd paid severance to everyone, even though I didn't. I wasn't obligated to legally. And I had just like, my bank account was wiped out. My sleep bank was wiped out. My personal bank was wiped out. I was just totally wiped out. And I remember walking into this uh, investor meeting, kind of pitching the business thinking, you know, I have a choice and I was like, and I can walk away and owe nobody anything, or I can keep going. And actually there was something beautiful in that. There was something beautiful in that I was in a place of peace where I could literally walk away and know I'd changed a hundred lives or at least contributed towards a hundred lives changing or just keep going. And that maybe gave me the freedom to keep going because I, I could walk away. Um, so anyway, after I pitched this, uh, the, one of the women in the room, she came up to me, her name's Addie. And she said, she's put her hands on my shoulder and she just looked straight me in the eye. And she said, you know, you are worth investing in your company's worth investing in. This is amazing. Carry on, you know, keep going. And, um, and then I hired her as a coach to help me get ready for my first pitch for investment. And then we raised 150,000 pounds together. So that was really amazing. And, and the whole, my whole, the whole everything changed in terms of like, I then started thinking bigger and then I brought in advisors. And uh, the one thing that didn't change though, was um, I hadn't quite solved the problem of how to make the company make money, which was why I was in the problem in the first place. Um, what I knew was that online learning was becoming popular. And so I decided that that's what I was going to pitch the investors. We were previously face-to-face -face, and I just said, look, let's Let's pitch for going online because there's a huge online learning market that's, you know, just now kind of taking off. And I was very lucky because I pitched that in 2018, 2019. And look what has happened. Uh, the online market has, the online learning market has taken off. And we're very, very lucky for that and very grateful for that. And we were just in the right place at the right time. Uh, but yeah, that was a big setback, um, you know, having to go through that. And, and I'll never forget that. And I have my I journal so I have my journal and it it says in there you know this is the darkest day of my life and it really felt like that at the time I haven't had a dark day like that since so up till now that's been the darkest day of my life <laughs> what a story it was almost a near-death experience well that's the thing you know you your brain is very powerful and and um, I mean I remember when I was on the U.S. archery team and I was representing the U.S. and I was in Korea South Korea in Ulsan and I was competing and I was I was up against the number one archer in the world. It was Choi versus Joy. And I remember um I remember having to tell myself like like you're not dead, you know? And I think your brain when it's when it's in a fearful state, it 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 literally doesn't know the difference between a real life and death situation and a non-real life death and situation like a, a non-life and death situation. It just knows what you're feeling and it go if it goes into flight and fight mode flight or fight mode it's doing that automatically it's called your reptilian brain so it just kicks in and it wants you to survive and when you're going through an extremely stressful period like that that your brain thinks it's just as much as dying
Yes. And it, it's almost at the subconscious level. 100% at the subconscious level. Yeah. You are a lady of faith, Joy. And you have talked about this publicly. And you have gone through subconscious reprogramming to solve the dilemma that you just referred to about making money. And sometimes there is this uh, deep conflict between faith and money mindset. Could you elaborate a little bit on this? Yeah, I totally can. So I think it's um, it's a it's a tricky topic, first of all, because faith can be very contentious, right? So uh, in the U.S., there's there are different faiths, but it's 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 much more kind of one way or another way. You know, it's like I believe this way, and I and you believe that way, and our paths don't cross. Whereas living in Europe, and which I've lived in Europe for a long time, I lived in France, I've lived in Switzerland, and I've now lived in the UK, you, you get exposed to other ways of thinking and other, other religions and other faiths. And uh, you start to realize that, um, that there, there might not be just one way, right? And uh, I would still describe my identity as a, as a Christian. I would, still, um, I would still look at my life and I would say I have had very close encounters um, with Jesus in my life that have kind of defined who I am and where I am now. Um, but one of the things that I, uh, I have always believed in, uh, there's some great verses in Hebrews, but one of them, and I've got it right here, it just says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And um, there's another great verse which talks about, you know, the transformation of the, of the mind, you know, tra you know, really transforming yourself through the transformation of your mind. And so I, I really started out on this journey of, you know, why am I struggling as an entrepreneur to make money? Um, and why can't I change my family's financial situation, um, you know, as a contributor, you know, so as a, as a woman who's earning money, how come I can't, how come I can't change what I'm giving my family? Because for a long time, I worked for free. Um, and that has a lot to do with imposter syndrome and not feeling worthy. And a lot of those things that a lot of women in particular face when they're trying to, um, trying to build a business. But for me, it was really, it really came down to the fact that um, I had very clear ways that my brain thought about money because of my religion and so things like money is the root of all evil you can't love god and money you know it's harder for a rich man to go through the eye of a you know needle than a camel all that stuff you know we we if you've been in a church setting at any point in time you know you you've heard those verses and so i had you know i really didn't think that money was good um and i really didn't have uh and and it's not that i didn't believe that it was okay to make. I just didn't know how to make it. But what I realized was the reason I didn't know how to make it was because I, I hadn't reconciled with it, right? So uh, there's a great book called The Illusion of Money by Kyle Cease. And it was one of the first books I started reading about um, money mindset. And he talks about, you know, if you think of money as, uh, as, as something to be anxious about or worried about, or that's kind of slimy or that's bad, um, is it going to want to hang out with you? No, probably not. You know, think about money like a friend, you know, and what kind of a friend do you want to hang out with? You know, a friend that's easy to hang out with, a friend that's comfortable, a friend that's nice, you know, and so if you look at money in a different way and you start to say, okay, I can do good things with money and I can be responsible with money. And, you know, it's like the story of the talents in the Bible where, the, you know, the servants are given one talent, two talent, three talents. One of them just buries it in the ground. The other two go out and invest it in their futures and bring the money back and give it to the, to the, um, 
the owner, if you will, of the business or the company or whatever. And, and basically the last guy comes and says, well, I just buried in the ground because I thought you were going to be mad at me. And, he's, and, and the response is, well, you idiot, I could have put that in the bank and gotten money out of that, right? So it's just about changing the, the perception of money um, from a biblical standpoint as well. And, but then more importantly, really going deep on what you think uh, your relationship with it is. Um, and then changing that through subconscious reprogramming. And I think one of the things that, um, so Ray Dalio um, wrote a book called Principles, and one of the things he talks about is an open mind. So I, what I would describe myself is as, you know, absolutely 100%, I'm a Christian, it's, it's what I believe. I'm very active in my church. It's something that I think is important for my family to engage in, but I'm also very open-minded. And one of the most beautiful things that I think God gave us is this absolutely incredible brain. And we are just now starting to understand how it works. And it is very powerful. And I think we can use the brain to change the way we see the world. And so once you see the world differently, you create the world around you differently. And so what I think I want people to know is that you can be a woman or a man of faith uh, who is also uh, open-minded to how neuroscience works and understand that you know the gift of this incredible brain of ours um, is very very powerful and we can leverage it to change the world to make it a better place and that's you know that's how i'm that's what i'm trying to do what a wonderful way to end this chat joy i'm sure this not only in christian mindset this is also in muslim mindset in jewish mindset in all in all other religion where there's this subconscious tension between the worldly life and the afterlife or the life that we don't see and how to reconcile the two uh, that requires some change at the mindset level as you elegantly referred to. I, yeah, I think what I worry about is that people will just give up on their faith. And I think that's, that's the part that makes me sad because I think that we need faith. <laughs> you know, faith is what we hope for and what we're uncertain of what we cannot see. We cannot see this pandemic ending, but we can be certain that we want it to end. And faith in its very root is believing that something will happen even when you don't know how. And I don't want people to lose faith because that's one of the most important things we can have in this world. What a pleasure to have you on Thrive. And for people watching us, if you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and share the link on your social media so that others could benefit. Remember to follow Joy Foster on her social media at Tech Pixies, one word. And why not follow my updates at Dr. Solomon MD, also one word. Until we meet next time, keep motivated, keep resilient, and see you in the next episode of Thrive with Dr. Solomon. Thank you. Thank you.